everybody. Welcome to the New Market Alliance Church Podcast. For more information on the vision, programs, and news of our church, be sure to check us out at www.newmarketalliance.ca. We'd like to encourage you as well that no podcast, no matter how good, can substitute for the experience of joining together in person at a worship celebration. That's where God really meets people, often through the love and ministry of others. At NAC, we meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. Now let's join this week's teaching. even better. Thank you. Welcome so welcome to NAC here this morning. I was thinking, wow, there's a lot more people here than I thought there would be, which is awesome. So you know what, why don't you just pat yourself on the back and try not to look out that window too much. Uh, we'll try and get you uh, uh, to the sunshine as soon as possible. And uh, But in the meantime, if you could join me just in uh, listening to some of these words that I think that maybe God has put on my heart. I have thought about this for a long time, for many years and and uh, recently certainly in the last few months as uh, Rudy and I were traveling in our RV and eventually you just run out of things to talk about and your mind goes and so I, I found myself focusing on praise and worship um, a lot actually and I started writing down things and then I was uh, anyway it, it just became this thing in me and uh, we can call it discontent. We can even call it possibly holy discontent. I'm not sure. Uh, I always have a problem with putting those two words together. Somehow that doesn't uh, make sense to me. But you know what? I think there's a point there that when God puts things on our hearts and in our hearts and in me and in you, uh, they are from him. And because they are from him, they are holy, even though they may be discontent. Anyway, could you just bow your heads with me for a second, and we'll just ask uh, Heavenly Father, first of all, whoa, we have already worshipped you, and I just pray that it will have been pleasing in your sight. I thank you for this opportunity for us to gather together today, and I just pray for your uh, blessing upon the rest of this uh, morning service. Thank you, Jesus. All right, deep breath, everybody. Let's relax, and here we go. I'm going to read that uh, verse to us. It's Ephesians 5, 18, and 19. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So as I was thinking about this topic of praise and worship, I thought, you know what? I've heard so many preachers say, we're going to talk about this. So I checked, and they always go check the dictionary to make sure of what the interpretation of these words are. So I did go to uh, Webster, and I found out that praise is the expression of warm approval or admiration, admiration for something or someone. So I'll read that again. The expression of warm approval or admiration for something or someone. So the other day I was reading my news feed, and I saw an interview that... Uh, a certain president with bad hair was doing. And uh, the reporter asked him about whether the, the raptors were going to be 
invited to the White House, and he said, well, yeah, they did a really good job, so yeah, I guess maybe, well, we'll think about it. And then he went, so like that took all of 30 seconds, and then he went on and talked and talked and talked about Roger Penske, and he meant nothing to me, but he's going to get this uh, presidential freedom something award uh, for being a race car driver. That's what I picked up out of it. I, I'm sure he's done a whole lot more. But I thought, wow, now there's a guy who's really praising up this this uh, Roger guy for whatever he's done uh, to make some kind of a contribution to the world. And I thought, yeah, that, that's brave. And then, you know, sometimes when um, Jonathan Ganyu's done a really good job of um, doing a message, and Preparing for this made me realize that pastors, they do this every week. I agonized and anguished and languished in my anguish, and they do this every week. They have a gift. So let's praise them with <laughs> So that takes care of praise for now, but let's talk about worship for a second. Well, it says, the dictionary says, it's extreme devotion or intense love or admiration of any kind. So they're kind of, well, not kind of, they are related to each other, the praise and worship. And when I thought about worship, first of all, what do you think? What comes to your mind when you think about worship? Where have you seen worship lately? Out there. I saw a um, clip of Oprah with Michael Jackson. And then I looked out at the audience at one of his concerts there in this uh, little video clip that I saw. Man, that was worship. Women, men, kids, arms outreached, adoration in their eyes, smiles on their faces, or tears running down their faces just to be in the presence of Michael Jackson. That, to me, was worship. So based on these definitions, I thought, well, I can't just look at them and say, you know, well, you're not doing it right. I had to look at myself. So today, I've, we've got some s slides coming up here, and as they're showing, they may, be not, they may not be your so-called worldly worship, if you will, but these are, these are possibly things that we spend time with, that we get excited about and want to do. So there's the Raptors. Apparently, their win changed the whole world. Woohoo! It, maybe it did. <laughs> I didn't really get too involved in it. But then there's the Blue Jays. I really like them. Uh, we all know how things carry on at, at uh, any of these sports events. Lots of clapping, Yahoo, uh, all of this adoration, if you will, for these sports teams. Then, here's another th thing that I, I spend a lot of time on. And then it updated just recently I noticed that it's now telling me how many minutes I'm spending at all of these different activities on my cell phone. And you know, I'm a little bit embarrassed, I gotta say. The next slide that's coming up is Spotify. Whoa. What was my world like before Spotify? I am now fulfilled. I can listen to any music that I want anytime of the day or night for as long as I want. I quite enjoy it. Instagram. Hmm. Who do I follow? Where's that next guy? He's one. Who knows him? That would be Blake Shelton. 
I can tell you everything about him. I know when his birthday is, I know how old he is, I know where he has restaurants, I went to one of his restaurants for my 65th birthday. It was just, I really like his music too, and he's, I think he's just kind of a brutally honest kind of a guy, and uh, his music is like that too. So I follow him. I also follow Carrie Underwood. She's married to a Canadian. Got a Mike Fisher, that's right, yep. Then, the, oh, and the next slide, The Voice. Whoever watches The Voice? Yay, I have some voice friends <laughs> in the congregation here. I love The Voice. In fact, Rudy and I, honestly, when our kids call on Monday and Tuesday night, we don't want to talk to them. <laughs> they know that that's our date night. We don't watch much TV, but wow, do we watch The Voice, and we follow it. Uh, and then, of course, in, to balance this all out, I also follow Bob Goff. I love his thoughts for each day and his dream big agenda. Jesus Calling, the, a devotional book by Sarah Young. I say her books are anointed. I've read a few of them, and uh, I really enjoy them. Then, there's this other place. Now, that's not the picture of this church, but it is a picture of a church that uh, we saw on our trip. It was the neatest, sweetest, cutest little church to see. And sometimes I think it's easy for us to also, church is a good thing. Um, and you know what, I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, we don't want to worship it, but we do want to, uh, um, to be there. And in fact, for me, um, it's where my friends are, my family. And I miss you and it when we're not here. So when we came back from our trip this, uh, this spring, it was like my first time here, I could just kind of exhale and feel like, wow, now I'm really home. Next picture is a picture of our view in our backyard. Man, I love that place. It's God's creation out there. And I'm reminded all the time of it. Then there's another picture coming up. Wow. There's not one thing that I wouldn't do for each of those people. That's my family. Those are my kids. Those are my grandkids. Those are my in-law kids. Those are my in-law kids' parents and, and brother and sister-in-law. I think it's awesome to be part of a family. And you know what? They are always on my mind. So thanks for showing those for us, uh, John, the, Jonathan. The um, conclusion that I came to is that in all of us, me and you, is a need to worship something. We gotta worship something, whether it's any of those things that you, we just saw slides of or other things that came to your mind. We were created that way, and I was once told by a, a young little girl. She was a friend of Elisa's. I think they were seven years old. I've forgotten her name now. But uh, anyway, she, was, she told me once upon a time that the Bible holds all the answers to the, all the questions that I might ever have. And I thought, that's, that's really kind of wise for a little girl. But you know what? She was right. 
So well, I'm going to take the Bible now. And if you have any kind of worship, or uh, not worship, any kind of Bible um, with you, please open it to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and I'll read to verse 31. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image. So he's talking about himself, Jesus, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. To be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit tra trees for your food, and I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the, the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. I looked in the mirror, mirror the other day, and I said, God, really? What were you thinking? <laughs> me? You made me? Wow, thank you, God, for all of those things that he made for us. You see, there was a time in my life, um, a long time ago, when I questioned why, why am I here? What is my purpose in life? Maybe you've asked yourselves those questions. It was a dark, dark time for me. And so, not to dwell on that, but just to say that I turned to the right book, the book that had answers to all of those questions. And I'm going to read Revelation 4, verse 11 today. Because it says, and this is the uh, verse that meant the absolute most to me, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and that's me too, and you, and they exist because you created what you pleased. We were created for his pleasure and to worship him. That's what my discovery was, that my reason for being was really quite simple. I didn't, it wasn't any deep, profound thought. It was just like, ah, oh yes, thank you. Aha, I get it now. I am supposed to be here to praise and to worship you and to give it all to you. And that, if that's all I ever did on my earth, earth, uh, earthly experiences to walk around and just praise God and sing hallelujah all day. You know what? He would say, woohoo, way to go. You're doing what I want you to do. So, so then I started asking some other questions here as I was thinking about this little talk. What keeps us from truly, truly worshiping and praising God with our whole heart? And three things came to mind. First of all, maybe we're just really not into him that much. Uh, we go to church when we can, maybe a small group, 
now and then, every two weeks, once a month. And that's about it. You know, he's kind of in the back burner for the rest of the week. And then Sunday, we show up and we do that again. Or maybe it's life circumstance. And I totally get that. And I know God gets it. Family life, work, getting the groceries, doing the laundry. It's busy. It's really busy. And sometimes we just don't have time. A big one for me is a, th a small word, three letters. First one's S. It's sin. Pride. So proud of those, that family over there. Not loving others generously. Self-worship. I've got messed up sensitivity. Sometimes I'm sensitive to others, mostly to me. All of those things, the list goes, can go on and on. And while you're thinking about it, what's your list? Max Lucado says it best. Sin is when we say, God, I do not want you to be my king. I prefer a kingless kingdom, or better still, a kingdom in which I am king. And that's based on Luke chapter 19, verse 14. So if that's the case, I need to confess, to ask for forgiveness, repent, thereby making things right between God and me, and then I can walk on living in mercy and grace. If there's anyone here, I've just got to say, that doesn't understand that kind of a relationship with God, talk to somebody about it. It's not hard to uh, talk to the person beside you, talk to the pastors here. I'll gladly speak with you, but, you know, we've got to be right with God. So if we are, everything's good now, and we really desire to give God our praise and worship. And we all know that we should do that. So how do we do that, though, exactly? We think we know, but think a little further to some of these uh, things that I'm going to mention to you today. First of all, we worship and praise God as individuals. And with words, we can't just think it. I mean, he knows what we think. But we got to say it, too. So tell him. Just tell him. Use your words. Have fun with your words. I love to just take parts of, because I love words, I love to take parts of uh, Bible verses, like the Lord is my shepherd. I could say, the Lord is my shepherd. The one and only true God, he is, he's not maybe or possibly, but he is my shepherd, yours too, but for today, he's my shepherd. I'm thinking as I'm saying these words to myself, uh, you, because we can all use them, and he's my shepherd. He guides me, he tells me where, where to go from day to day, uh, he looks out for me, and so... That it doesn't take long to do that kind of thing, but you're telling God that you, God, are my shepherd. I love you. Tell him you love him. Tell him you appreciate him. Um, worship, his, uh, worship him for his creation that he's given to us. Pick a time to do that. Uh, maybe while you're driving. You can talk in the car all by yourself. Nobody will hear you except God. I, I try to do that kind of thing when I'm walking. And uh, it's kind of, um, that's just my time. I just, I really actually kind of look forward to it. Um, it's a habit that I've gotten into. And uh, I uh, just practice 
talking to God during that time or else during a time when I do my devotions. What do our prayers look like? Because prayers are, or sound like, prayers are talking to God. And if your prayers are like mine, it's, wow, I got a whole list of needs. God, please, can you do this for me? Can you bless that person? So-and-so sick, can you take care of them? And he doesn't mind. But could we possibly add some worship? Like, I love you, Lord. Thank you. I worship you. And sometimes the biggest small word, word that you will ever say in worship is Jesus. There's lots of times when I have no words, but I say Jesus and Jesus. Another way to offer our worship and praise to God is with singing. What? Me? Sing to God by myself? Yes. Feel free. Sing songs you know from your childhood. Maybe a phrase from a song at church last Sunday. I know what I'm going to sing this week. Come. Now is the time to worship. We sang it here today. Although... I do think as much as God delights in us singing to him on our own, he loves it when we corporate, corporately, as a church body, praise and worship him with our music, both vocally and with instruments. And there's, a reason, there's reasons why, and I found this article on the internet to that point from Words of Wonder. It's called, God's Passion for Singing as a Church Body of Believers. God's heart for setting words to music, God's, I'm sorry, God's heart for setting words to melodies is evident from even a casual reading of the Psalms. So listen to this, Psalm 96, 1 to 2. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Psalm 47, verse 6. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. In just four verses, we, we are commanded, told, to sing. I don't know if you counted all the sings, but there's seven of them, seven times. All told, the Bible contains over 400 references, 400 references to singing and 50 direct commands to sing. Ah, that's a lot. The longest book of the Bible, the book of Psalms, is a book of songs. And this is, so I always thought that was just in the Old Testament, but in this article I'm reading, and in the New Testament, we're commanded not once, but twice to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another when we meet, Ephesians 5.19 and Colossians 3.16. Why does God so often tell us not simply to praise him, but to sing his praises when we meet? Why not just pray and preach? Why sing? Why are God's people throughout history always singing? Why words and music, not just words along? Why does he want us to sing? One reason is, and I've just discovered this. I, you probably know this, but I just discovered this within probably the last six months or so. That one reason is that God himself sings. The God who made the heavens and the earth sings. 
My Bible translation for Zephaniah 3.17 says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Wow. That's amazing. On the eve of his crucifixion, Jesus sang hymns with his disciples. Matthew 26, 30, Hebrews 2 and 12 applies to Psalm 22, 22. To Jesus, when it says, in the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 tells us that one effect of being filled with the Spirit is addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in our hearts. So we worship a triune God who sings, and he wants us to be like him. Let's take just a moment to think back to our experiences with music in the church. Maybe the reasons why possibly you singing doesn't really appeal to you is because of experiences you've had in the past. Um, your experience with church music may go back a long way, or possibly if you're first time visiting here, it started today, and you're off to a really good start. My first church experience as a child was at a very conservative Mennonite church in Plum Coulee, Manitoba. Anybody know about Mennonites? Some of us do. <laughs> My dad was a song leader there. So if you can imagine, just use your imagination. Uh, there was a whole row of them sitting in the front, and they would take turns announcing songs, and they had these little song books with no notes in them, just words. So you sang a cappella because pianos were worldly. Um, you only sang these words out of this book. Most songs had at least 13 verses, right, <laughs> in them. And they were in German. Totally brutal for me, because <laughs> I didn't speak it. Eventually, they became more pro progressive and allowed, if you will, four-part par four harmony. Woohoo! Today, most Mennonite churches have musical instruments and are really not all that different from other evangel evangelical churches. So in the meantime, while all this was going on, I was taking piano lessons, and I, <laughs> I would dream of being a crusade pianist. Anybody who's a musician, did you ever want to play in a crusade? Oh, when Billy Graham was around and that, the crusades were big, that was my dream. During my teens, I accompanied or sang in choirs at a high school, which was well known at the time for its excellent music program. I completed my grade 10 piano there, and, uh, but then I met a boy. So that was the end of practicing piano for me. <laughs> I had other interests. And you know what? That's like 48 or so years ago, I think, since we met. My word. Anyway, I could also play by ear at that time. So, and it saved me. I think, uh, from it, and kept me playing, and actually it does to this day. I always remain more or less active in music at all the different churches we've attended, and if any of you are nearly, or if any of you are only half as old as I am, you will already have noticed some changes in the music that we sing at church. After hymns at church came the worship choruses era. Do you remember those? You know, they became popular, many of them being scripture put to song. And you know what I think? I still really love them. However, we have a habit of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. 
I have to say, I confess, sometimes I long to share a hymn book with someone. I miss the reverence of that music, and the other thing is, it's really, really tough to hold a grudge against someone when you're holding a book and singing a hymn together. The choruses back at the day have been abandoned for many, from many um, evangelical churches, the uh, worship choruses that I was talking about. Maybe, maybe they were too simplistic. Maybe that's why I like them, just for that reason. Church music has evolved into what it is today here at NAC and now includes bands, orchestras, Hillsong, Bethel Music, Mercy Me. There's been just a, a whole, evo rev not revolution or evolution, just a whole lot of uh, new music coming out. And I think that's, that's amazing. That's wonderful. God's doing some cool things. Just a side note, we had a different worship experience at a monastery near Dunham, Quebec, last Sunday when we were visiting Jordan there. And that was, wow, I had never experienced that. Um, the monks sang most of the service with their chants. They didn't even, they didn't talk. And they're doing this, all of this with three notes, maybe four, maximum six. And I'm like, how can you do that? But they were, uh, it was really quite a, a worshipful um, experience and unfortunately it was uh, all in French but I did understand the word Jesus so I you know I got something out of it so uh, and and it just appreciated the, uh, the the reverence there it was a peaceful worship time so at the end of the day I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's not the songs we sing or the style we prefer but rather our offering of true heart worship and praise that matters to God so just a few comments to finish up my little talk. I know God loves it when we do corporate worship with song because he commands it, as we read from the scriptures, and he is passionate about it. It also reflects our humility and our obedience to God's command to sing our praises to him. Above all, it blesses him. I'm so glad the kids are in our service today because praise and worship is something that we need to teach them. Um, I have a little story about Lila. She's uh, actually soon. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's too funny. But I'll hurry. I'll hurry. I know they're ready. <laughs> um, Lila was just, uh, Lila is her granddaughter, and she stays overnight sometimes, and she's only five, and very often she does not want to pray at night, and I'm like, what, really? You have to pray, but she chooses not to, and so one day I asked her, I said, why don't you want to pray with us, Lila? And she says, well, it's just not my thing. I'm like, Really? Okay then. <laughs> so Rudy and I, we get on our knees. We're praying diligently for this little girl <laughs> that you will want to pray to God. But you know that in a few days, she was staying over at our, they were over visiting at our house and I heard her talk to mom. And later I saw about this and later I saw her riding around on her little Jeep and she's, her lips are moving and I'm wondering, what are you doing? So I went over there and I said, Lila, what are you, what are you, are you talking to somebody? And she says, well, 
I've got this song in my head. We were singing it in Sunday school this morning, and it's just on repeat. I can't get it out of my head. And I'm like, whoa, yes, good. She's singing about Jesus. Thank you. We're on our way. <laughs> so we need to teach our kids about worship. Another big reason, it's spiritual warfare. So worship team, you are responsible for leading an army. Wow. 100% of the people singing 100% of the time. When we come prepared to church with our individual praise and worship and then enter his courts with thanksgiving in our hearts and in his courts with praise, wow, you've got an army, hallelujah. No space for anybody or anything but Jesus, his angels, and us. Can I hear an amen? Maybe a big hallelujah? Woohoo! thank you. An added benefit for singing praise and worship is that songs will come to mind when needed in life situations. For me, it's been one day at a time. What a friend we have in Jesus. I can only imagine. Good, good father. I am loved by him. To add just a more personal note, I believe it's important as a church to sing songs which are easily memorized. They have, should have a singable melody. Above all, that they are songs to God, not just about him or telling the songwriter's story or experience. May I be bold enough to say that when the same so-called praise and worship song can be played on a pop top 40 radio station and no one is quite sure what the message is, or who it's about, it may likely be just a performance song and not a true worship song. Not a bad song. Just my, my performance. Uh, not my performance, just my opinion on this. And possibly only a personal discontent. Not necessarily holy. I'll leave it to you and to God to be the judge. In conclusion... <laughs> my hope and my prayer is that 100% of us will be able to come together to praise and to worship God in song 100% of the time on Sunday mornings. If you have a problem with singing, I get it, but just remember, you're, you are created in God's image and he sings. Think about it. If you don't like the songs, talk to the pastor or the worship pastor. They may be able to add some that you like. If you can't remember the words or the melodies of the songs from Sunday mornings, maybe someone could put together a playlist and put it on our NAC website so that you could come prepared. Maybe, you know, there'll be a whole month of them on there and you can start listening to them, getting familiar with them so that they be can become part of your true heart worship. God wants your praise and worship. He delights in it. How, so here's a, a suggestion of just a little bit of a, you know how you always have to have a challenge when you leave church? <laughs> Not really, but it's a thought that I had. How about praising taking some time to praise and to worship God with words every day this week. Then, just try one day 
to just sing to him. You will be blessed. I want to uh, just finish off by reading Revelation chapter 4. I thought this was so appropriate. It's, this section in my Bible is called Worship in Heaven. Whoa. Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly, I was in the spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones. Whoa, just use your imagination. Like Jasper and Carnelian, and the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes, front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had... Um, a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they kept on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down and worshiped the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, Whoa. we lift our hands, you can read it up there. You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and praise, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. 